Welcome to the OptiForm podcast. Today we have my man Corbin Pearson with us. What's going on, brother? Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, I'm super pumped to actually go through this podcast because as well as you guys know, I'm huge in the competing space, fitness, bodybuilding, all that kind of stuff. Corbin himself actually is, he's competed a lot and then now he's actually coaching competitors and, you know, helping with all their nutrition, fitness, um, supplementation, I'm guessing, and posing as well, he said, uh, before we got on here. Um, so yeah, the OptiForm podcast for people who are new, um, this is a podcast where we bring on high level coaches, fitness influencers, and we really go through strategies of how to help you with your fitness goals, whatever it may be, um, through obviously like nutrition training, supplementation, and anything else. Um, so anyways, uh, first off, Corbin, my man, before we get started into what we're talking about today, I first just want to like, who the hell are you? Like <laughs> introduce yourself to the, to the listeners. Um, how'd you get into fitness, bro? Um, let's see. Well, like a lot of people, I played a lot of sports growing up as a kid. So, you know, I definitely kind of grew a competitive nature through that. Um, played all throughout high school when I made the decision that I didn't want to play in college any anymore. Um, I still wanted a way to kind of stay competitive, you know, satisfy my competitive edge and whatnot. Um, so I started getting more into fitness. Um, actually, well, first of all, I think my senior year, um, I initially got into lifting weights just because I wanted to get kind of just bigger for baseball and just, I, you know, figured it would help me improve my swing, strength, arm and all that. So I initially got into it with that goal in mind, but kind of as the year went on, I kind of just fell in love more and more with the actual lifting weights process and seeing progress through, through that. Um, so that kind of helped shifted my decision to kind of focus on my studies in college and not play sports and also focus, you know, on my own personal fitness goals. You know, I started seeing a lot of progress when I started kind of doing my own thing outside of, you know, the weights classes I took for high school and stuff like stuff like that. Um, so that was pretty addicting. So kind of got more and more into it through that freshman year of college, um, just kept with it. And then I made the decision to kind of compete in my first natural bodybuilding show, um, yeah. summer afterwards. So prepping during my second semester of college freshman year was definitely not an easy task. That's what I did, dude. It was the worst decision. Well, it wasn't the worst decision, but it was a fucking retarded. Like, it was hard. It's definitely tough. You know, I'm sure you got like a lot of, you know, comments from, you know, your friends and peers around them who are eating whatever, drinking whatever, you know, so having to stay diligent and stay on track with that um, when there's a lot of temptations around, you know, definitely wasn't the easiest task. Um, but at the same time, you know, it did help me kind of grow a lot of, uh, just will, willpower and dedication and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I did that my freshman year. Um, and after that first contest, I was pretty, I was pr pretty hooked, you know, got bit by the quote unquote fitness bug or whatever. A lot of people call it. Um, yeah. and that, yeah, ever since then I, Competed pretty often. Um, got my IP Natural Bodybuilding Pro card a couple couple years ago. Um, so good for you, dude. So yeah, thanks. Thank thanks, man. Uh, that was definitely nice to see that goal finally come to fruition after many attempts, kind of falling like one placing short or just yeah. barely barely missing it. So yeah, no, no, it's a, it's like for people who are listening, that's like that's not an easy thing to accomplish. <laughs> that's pretty pretty. Uh, pretty good um accomplishment in terms of getting your pro card in that you know division stuff like that um i have a an athlete that i believe is the same uh, before he got to me coaching him 
Uh, he went to the same federation and got his pro card, and now I'm coaching him for Miami Nationals. But, um, but, but yeah, no, that's that's pretty freaking bad. I wish I could say that. I don't have anything like that. <laughs> I mean, it definitely took like a while, man. You know, I did a handful of shows, you know, close to 10, 10 shows or something before um, and kind of through various organizations, various divisions from men's physique to bodybuilding and all that. Um, before I finally was able to win it, so you know, def you know, definitely had had its fair shares of ups and ups and ups and downs for sure. Yeah, well, I guess kind of you know diving into what we talk about today, since we're both kind of in that competing space or competing space, um, would be of like your strategies behind how you've done successful preps essentially. And so, the first thing I kind of wanted to ask you, and we could talk a little bit about uh, before we got on here, but a lot of the times nowadays, whether it's – well, I guess especially for natural bodybuilding, especially because it's now becoming big. I see it's a growing a little bit. The sport of natural bodybuilding is growing a little bit more. Um, obviously not as big as MPC and IFBB and all that. Um, but for any prep, anybody, um, what do you see as a good like body fat percentage to even consider starting to prep for a show? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, kind of a hard question to directly answer because it really does depend on a lot of factors you know first of all it depends on what division that person that person is doing if someone's doing bodybuilding for example they're going to have a more extreme prep in regards to length and the body fat um, percentage are going to get down to compared to you know let's say a men's physique com competitor or big big bikini for females and whatnot um, so someone who's Doing a more extreme division like that, I would generally start in a lower body fat range, you know, so they don't have to be dieting forever. Would you um, say like starting around like 10%, 8%, like what is low, what in terms of low for you, starting a prep? Yeah, starting a prep. Well, that it also depends on the length of the prep. You know, if someone was only going to diet for like 16 weeks, you know, they could definitely start or they should be starting in a lower position than someone who's, you know, giving themselves like 30 weeks, you know? So just to throw out, throw out some numbers, if someone was doing a 16 week prep for bodybuilding, um, or let's just say 20 week prep, it's typically 16 weeks kind of short for bodybuilding. I would say, um, 20 week prep for bodybuilding, you know, I would definitely ideally want them under 12 to 14%, you know, starting out, that'd probably be a good general starting, starting range. As far as like rate of loss goes, um, I'm always a fan of the slower, steady approaches just because it's better for mus muscle retention, um, strength retention, performance in, in, in the gym, which is going to relate to more muscle retention. Um, so, yeah, I always typically give more time. For rate of loss, I would say half a pound to a pound a week. Um, and if someone had like 20 pounds to lose, and we started out at 20, 20 weeks. Typically, I'd like to give them at least a few more weeks than that just to account for a lot of stuff that can come up, come up and prep. You know, you may get sick for a week or some, like, family or work thing comes up. And it's kind of hard to – it's hard to plan for stuff like that when you're first starting a prep. Um, mm -hmm. So that's why I always like to just give some few extra weeks in there just mm -hmm. to account for anything like that. They can kind of throw a wrench in some things. Yeah, yeah, and that's interesting. Um, it's I like your approach from – Actually, it's weird because it's like a perspective shift. A lot of people, I feel like maybe in the area that I was at, um, in more of an NPC division rather than like a natural uh, division, would only do like 12-week preps, dude. 
I mean, like 12 week preps. And I hear that very often. And I'm like, I used to, cause that's what I used to do. Once my coach had me do and everything and like, yeah, I can get super shredded, but like the amount of muscle mass, I feel like I lost in that time period. Right. And, um, like, cause I'm just naturally, I can get lean faster though. So people who are more endomorphic or like, you know, have a heavier, heavier build or whatever, it's not able to lose fat as fast. Like at 12 weeks, definitely. I just don't think it's enough buffer. And also it's like crazy. Cause you're saying a short prep is 16 weeks. And that's what I view it as now too. Like I'm actually starting to prep right now um, for, for my next in the spring. Cause I haven't competed in like almost three years. Uh, I had some like health stuff or whatever. Um, but then like now I'm 23, 24 weeks out and I'm, you know, sitting around already that 12 to 14, probably around 14 right now. So it's like, I, I, I mean, like I completely hundred percent agree with you because most people are like, okay, I'll put it off. I'll put it off until like 16 weeks out and they'll be like, okay, I'll get a little more serious than 12 weeks out. They're like, shit, I got to start doing cardio or whatever, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, I think most people, especially first time competitors vastly underestimate how much fat they lose to truly get stage condition. Um, and I think the 12 week thing came from like, it was kind of just the most common prep to do like back in the, you know, seventies, eighties, you always heard of the bodybuilders just taking yeah. like 12, 12 week preps. Yeah. First of all, the requirement for conditioning wasn't extreme mm-hmm. back back then. You know, they definitely want people leaner now. And, um, you know, a lot of those guys were also taking substances as well to speed up the speed up the process, um, which, you know, a lot of people in the NPC and IFBB obviously are too, to make it a level playing playing field. But that is something to keep in mind if you're a natural athlete compared to someone who is taking, taking stuff. Yeah. Um, and also when that person who is taking stuff, not only will – potentially speed up the rate of loss they're also probably gonna retain more muscle so they could probably diet on more extreme calories more cardio and retain more muscle than a natural athlete who try to do a super extreme short prep they'd probably lose a lot of muscle and just not and also just not get as lean so it's kind of a lose-lose in that sword for sure yeah exactly so that's it's a good point you kind of bring up the differences between both um because yeah a lot of people I feel like don't understand this, but a good mentor of mine that I coach with, Cliff Wilson. Um, he was actually my my coach from for 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 my last prep. Cliff was. Yeah, yeah, man. He, yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I actually I, coach I, alongside him. I actually help with his clients. I coach with him. Oh, you, you know what? I did see that. I did see that on your profile. That's, you funny. That's like the second person I've done a podcast with. Like, oh wait, I did see that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's awesome, man. He's definitely a really, really smart guy and a great guy to work with. So yeah, he's, that's a, awesome. he's a he's a badass guy. He's awesome. And so, um, but yeah, he's like always. Like I said, people will start to push once they get more towards the show. That twelve weeks out or eight weeks out, you know, start pushing hard. But what separates, I'm sure that he told you it separates you from maybe winning did you did you win your pro card with him yeah 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 so the reason why is you probably started out a long ways and you were more dialed in a farther uh distance out from the show and yeah. that was that was the time then of when you were going to win the show was not four weeks out but 30 weeks out or whatever it was you know 28 weeks out that's when you were winning that show because you weren't you were doing stuff that other people weren't doing you know what i mean yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, me and Cliff took a really long approach with our with our prep. Um, I want to say we started around like 40 weeks out. Granted, there was like a month or two where we took a diet break um, just because 
I was pretty far ahead of the game conditioning wise that I could afford a couple months to kind of bump up the calories for a while. Um, but regardless of that, you know, it was, it was a solid 30 ish weeks at least of a deficit. Mm-hmm. So definitely mm-hmm. a process, you know? Yeah. And that, I, I like that you're, you're saying all stuff like real world, like personal experience, because, um, like I said, a lot of, I think first time competitors, there's a huge misconception a lot of times with a couple of things, what you said, understanding how lean you really need to get. Cause you'll have people contact me. Hey man, I think I can be ready for a show in four weeks. I'm like, bro, like, hold on a second. Like we got to look at it. Send me pictures. If you, if you're like, we'll be the first person that I've ever actually, you know, seen can be ready in four weeks if you're just walking around at that. You have to be like stage ready, like then, like already. And That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Cause people don't understand. Like another thing is, is what you said, like giving a couple weeks for leeway is because you don't want to be like ready the week of the show because you should want to be ready at least two, maybe three weeks prior to like see how you're going to load your body and see how you respond. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so many variables to look. If you want to look your absolute best, if you don't, you're just like, I don't care. I just want to get up. Like there's a difference, but if you're like wanting to look your best and like in your situation, compete at the highest level to get that pro card, like you got to test all the variables and say your body responds and, and dial it in. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it's always the goal to be ready ahead of a show. Kind of like you said, you know, you can, first of all, you can test out some kind of peak week strategies, kind of see how your body responds to amount of carbs to, you know, see how much carbs you can actually handle, what might make you spill over. Um, and also just to kind of potentially increase calories going into a, going into a show, you know, if someone's truly, truly like stage ready, a few weeks out, you know, I've seen good results with kind of slightly bump, bumping up the calories going into the show. You're, you're usually able to retain your conditioning, but kind of just fill out a little bit, which kind of makes you pop more. And then results kind of gives you more intense lines. So yeah, that, and I see like a decrease in stress too, because now you're nourishing your body a little bit more. Now cortisol, maybe a little less, I mean, mm-hmm. reverse, like bring up your calories slightly. Um, some people just like even look better and better as the week goes on just because they like have a little more food. Right. Definitely. Definitely. You know, a lot of people tend to forget that it is, you know, a bodybuilding contest at the end of the day, not just a dieting contest to see who can get the leanest. You know, I know conditioning has been like a huge, huge thing in recent, recent years where, you know, shredded glutes has become like the norm, the norm now. And like everyone pushes for conditioning over everything. And while, you know, conditioning is definitely extremely important, there is like a balance you want to find where, you know, you want to be as lean as you can, but still have full muscles. You don't just want to be shredded to the bone, but extremely flat, you, you know, to where you can't even get like a, get like a pump or anything. Exactly. And that's another thing, like, like not to bring back Cliff back in this, but it's, it's like after you do so many preps or maybe your first time competitor, like maybe you can get lean, you can die down, you can do extreme stuff, or whatever, and get shredded. But like you said, it's a bodybuilding. You want to portray your physique to the best potential. And like a lot of times I see people, well, a couple things. Diet so far down and deplete themselves so much because they're scared. Like if they do load up, they're going to balloon up or whatever. They don't understand the process. And also there's a lot of like sodium manipulation with water and potassium or whatever that at the very end, they make themselves look worse uh, and less filled out. And, you know, the muscles don't look as good because they're like just completely depleted themselves and they're relying on them looking leaner. But at the end of the day, that's actually going to make them look not as lean because they're more washed out. Right. Exactly, man. I've definitely have uh, repeated, repeated some of these mistakes on my own journey kind of coming up, 
you know, my first couple, couple of shows, one in particular, I remember I felt a little bit behind schedule going into peak week, which right away, I should have just not even done the show. You know, you need to be ready going into that, going into that week. But, you know, being like ignorant, I just like cut carbs real low. I like cut out sodium like a lot. Um, and in result, I just like couldn't get a pump to save my life. I had like no veins or vascularity showing at all. when like, normally I'm a pretty vascular guy. Um, and I just felt like shit on stage, you know, I was just like cramping and just was tired. Um, so that was a good wake up, wake up call that like, you know, you want to be feeling, feeling your best going into your, going into your show. You shouldn't be like at your all time maximal depleted state going into, going into your, you know, show. You're just not going to feel well, not going to perform well. And yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. yeah, percent. It's like uh, just destroying yourself for the end goal. Like it, you're going to make yourself look worse if you, uh, you don't take that into consideration. I'm glad you're talking about that. Cause some people just don't know. Some people have just seen where maybe they're prepping themselves and then like, you know, they're starving themselves at the end and doing a shit ton of cardio. And like, yeah, they reach their goal of getting to that body fat percentage, but like then they don't potentially place how they want to, or they just don't look how they thought they should have at the very end. And they destroy themselves. So they feel like crap. The end of it, and reverse, I mean, like recovering out of it and stuff. Um, I can see that if you don't have like a coach or maybe you don't know what you're doing and you do it, like kudos to you. That's amazing. But sometimes, like for me, example, sometimes the revert after the show is a hits you a lot harder when you oh, maybe absolutely didn't prepare yeah. the correct way. So then, the, like what goes down has to come back up, right? Right, right. You know, I think. I don't want to say all competitors, but I feel like the vast majority of competitors have probably made that mistake unless they worked with a smart coach from the get go. Um, the mistake as far as like not having a reverse diet plan and just blowing up, you know, post post show gaining a lot of weight in a very short amount of time. My first prep ever, for example, I did an extremely bro 16 week approach, you know, as far as like super clean eating, ate the same six meals a day spaced out three hours apart pretty much is like bro bros it bros it can get um so after my show you know since i was eating so like clean i didn't have any reverse dieting plan i just started eating whatever whenever you know eating a lot of junk food stuff like the stuff that i wasn't norm normally eating so my body wasn't used to it couldn't process it that well and that plus the abundance amount of calories you know i just gained i probably gained like 20 25 pounds in the first like week um I lost a little bit of it when I kind of started dieting a little bit more, but I mean, I still put on, a, still put on a lot of fat in a very short amount of time and like rapidly changed the body composition of my physique. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I, I can see that like a lot of, a lot of competitors will um, make that mistake. And what I've seen now with working with clients is now I thought it was like trying to develop a strategy to the tools wise, like nutrition wise or training wise or whatever to like reverse them out. But like I've actually seen now that that is not as important as trying to create cues and a strategy for their mental health because you know as well as me, like, dude, I'm the person, I was the same way. I did a show and I think that uh, I was like 150 on stage, 148, I think. And um, I blew up to like 170 like that. You know what I mean? Just like what, going hard. And it was like my first couple shows and he didn't realize what was going on. Uh, but that mental, like, uh, whatever it is, it's like obviously ground and leptin, all these hormones that are going on. Like, I need to eat, need to eat, need to eat. And you just keep eating. 
And a strategy to help that right there, I think that people should probably worry about more than like figuring out, uh, well, I guess it's a part of the recovery, right? And right. all of it goes right. into one. But I also talked the other day about reverse versus recovery dieting of like, you know, instead of going the same exact plan in reverse on the way out, those next four weeks after prep, you could be still in the deficit and you're trying to maintain it and it's still causing bad, maybe not as good metabolic adaptations happening the four weeks after rather than like trying to get up, finding your new maintenance and then reverse dieting from that, right? Yeah, that is a really good point um, because I feel like the concept of reverse dieting, it kind of got popular in the last five years or so. When it first came out, I feel like it was, it was like Lane Norton probably made it a little more public. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think he kind of coined the term maybe. Um, and when it initially came out, it was people were a lot more mild with it as far as like, you know, they kind of treated it almost like the deficit part in a way. Like they were just like putting in calories at extremely kind of slow rates to where they were like you were just saying, staying in a deficit longer than they needed to need needed to be, which end result, you know, was kind of just tampering with their progress first of all and just kind of prolonging some prep side effects that didn't need to be prolonged um so yeah i am a big fan of doing a more like kind of extreme bump post-show as opposed to kind of just gradually working things up you know we'll bump them up to more maybe maintenance level that first week and then kind of go into a slight surplus from there Um, but i found you know if the body is truly staged lean at that point you know they can definitely handle a pretty big increase in calories as long as they're somewhat staying on track with it and not getting out playing too much yeah i've seen that too especially with the afterwards for the show of the body rec- uh, recovering but also like just the loading phase of like the peak week and stuff like that like if you're shredded like super lean then i feel like the chances of messing that up decreases a little bit if that makes sense yeah no that's yeah i would definitely agree so but yeah cool so that kind of gives some like back back you know entered uh insight into body fat percentage like how long now we're getting some real numbers of like people will probably think wow i need to start 30 weeks out holy shit well look this guy has his pro card like and (laughs) maybe he has some experience with it and it's like i worked with a lot of people too the same situation it's like the more time you can give yourself and the slower you can go usually ends in the best physical look, but also mental health. And um, you'll be able to enjoy the foods that you like to enjoy more throughout the process, right? Right, definitely. You know, um, I'm definitely an advocate of flexible dieting in the sense that, you know, I don't think you have to be eating the same foods every, every day, you know, as long as you're hit, hitting your macros, getting your fiber in, you know, getting good nutrients through good sources, you know, uh, that's going to be the most important thing when it comes to fat, fat loss and fat gain Mm -hmm. for sure. And just, you know, giving yourself more time. um, Yeah. Just you're able to stay on track longer. And like, if there is a certain day that comes up where you have to miss a meal or something, it's like, okay, that wasn't ideal, but I'm not set back in any way. I'm still like ahead of the head of the game as far as everything goes. So just less, less stress levels when it comes to that as well, which plays a part in, you know, yeah, kind of how hard it is to lose fat and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt for sure. And and I guess kind of um, transitioning with the prep stuff, uh, we talked a little bit about like length and stuff like that, and we talked a little bit about like obviously nutrition wise of like manipulation or whatever. But that's what I want to dive into next is you know starting that thirty weeks out or starting however many weeks out, twenty weeks or whatever. How do you 
see best if there is a best way uh, to you. But how do you see best, depending on the client, of like how you manipulate their calories um, throughout the process, whether it's hitting a certain deficit in percentage to their total calories to hitting a certain actual numerical value of like minus 100 calories for whatever, minus 500 calories or whatever it is. Um, and how do you kind of like, maybe what would you tell people to do if they were trying to prep themselves and how to like assess that so maybe they're in a plateau and then they can move forward and try that strategy? Gotcha. Um, let's see. Let's see here. Um, if that made sense. That was a long yeah, question. Yeah, no, it does. I'm trying to think of how I want to start it off. Um, well, in, in an ideal scenario, it doesn't always happen because some people do just want to work for prep. But um, ideally, I would work for someone a little bit in their off season and kind of, you know, build up their calories, get them metabolic, metabolically um, in a good position before they're ready to start dropping down calories for prep. Um, and if we're in a situation like, like that, you know, I'll make a pretty big initial decrease with everything just because I'm going from, you know, like peak off-season calories to trying to go to a slight deficit. Um, but with that being said, since I still give themselves a lot of, a lot of time, you know, I, it's still a lot of calories, relatively speaking, starting off a of prep. Um, I like to minimize cardio as well as, as in that sense depending on the uh, situation. If someone has a sedentary job though, for example, you know, we might incorporate some more cardio just so they can kind of get some like, get some steps in there. Um, but if someone has a more active job where they're moving around a lot, burning more calories, um, we're typically gonna try to limit and minimize cardio as much as we, much as we can. Um, as far as manipulating calories goes, um, Typically, yeah, hard one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is hard to answer. Um, typically, when we have a lot of time to work with, um, I wouldn't make in I wouldn't make adjustments in any sooner than like two weeks. You know, I think everyone should probably at least stick with the same calories for a couple weeks before making adjustments. I think some people may kind of switch things up too soon. You know, they may make some adjustments one week to make them again that next week just because you know, maybe they lost like only half a pound or something. Um, whereas, you know, weight fluctuates a lot daily. So there's a lot of stuff to play in a factor with that. Um, now if someone was in, you know, in a behind position with prep and kind of had to rush things. That'd be a different story. Um, but ideally, you know, you wouldn't be in that position to, to begin with as far as giving yourself more time and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I'd say like every two, three weeks, you know, that's a good level to kind of keep calories the same for a while. After those two, three weeks, if you're noticing the weight is plateauing, um, then that'd be probably a good idea to start to make some adjustments then. How um, much do you think you're, what would you make uh, for the adjustment after a plateau? Um, depends on the position we're in, as always. I feel like I say it. No, and I was going to say, I was going to say, depending on the person. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, for example, like, um, maybe of what you envision their stage weight being, how many pounds away of that are you? And then like, obviously are you going to have to figure out which what, most people aren't going to understand that. Like obviously when they have never seen themselves shredded yet, but um, <clears throat> maybe trying to figure out what your stage weight weight is and then um, adjusting your calories to start hitting those numbers to be more and more data driven. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, typically speaking, I'd say when I do make decreases the numbers, it's probably on average 
like 80 to 100 calories, you know, usually through the means of carbs and fats. Um, so a typical cut could be like, you know, taking away 15 grams of carbs, five, five grams of fat, you know, that equals out to be a hundred, uh, calories. So that, that could be a typical, a typical drop. Yeah. Uh, I see, I see you doing that. It's, it's cool. We kind of do a similar thing then. Cause yeah, I'd like to take around that. What is it like 5% of total calories for that day or what? It's usually around like 80 to 140 in between there. Yeah. yeah. Higher calorie intake already. And you maybe need to like, uh, start hitting those buttons a little harder just to, right. not to get into that deficit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So you definitely got to read the situation a bit, see how much time you have, how far away they are from the stage. It kind of dictates how extreme of cuts you want to, you want to make. Um, and typically I would say I do make more extreme cuts, um, more at the beginning of prep when they have more fat, fat to lose. Cause generally you're going to, your body's going to do a better job at retaining muscle at that point when you're really lean close to stage conditioning and all that. Um, if you make more extreme cuts, then you're probably going to be more prone to muscle loss. Um, so I like to make more subtle adjustments as the show gets closer, as opposed to extreme adjustments. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I also, I don't know if you do this. I like to, um, maybe in the beginning parts of that harder deficit, like you're saying, I agree with that as well as using more calories from fat and the cutting more calories from fat in the beginning than carbs. I don't know how you do it, but the reason being is see, there's like a little bit of a threshold of the fat range based on like this, you know, how much muscle mass they have and all this kind of stuff to have good regulation of like their hormones and everything, but also they're just overall look. But I like to like cut from fat essentially first a little bit because they're more calorie dense obviously so you can not cut as much per gram uh for the total amount of calories you're cutting but also to like give them still the best bang for their or still the most possible way to like potentially build any sort of muscle mass while they're cutting slightly slowly um because they're giving them more energy with the carbs you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah, no, I'm generally of the same mindset, you know, I like to keep um, carbs higher in comparison to fat, you know, um, like you said, just for per performance reasons, stuff like that, which, you know, better performance in the gym could potentially lead to just better muscle retention and all that. Um, and for fats, you know, I think with fats, there's like a certain kind of level or like minimum that I like to stay above just for, you know, hormone functions and health reasons, stuff like that. Um, but carbs kind of don't really have a limit in that sense. You know, you can kind of cut them like really, really low if you had to just for depletion purposes. So um, carbs, generally speaking, do see the most extreme adjustments just because they start off the highest and probably get down the lowest, um, potentially yeah. depending on how that person is responding to, you know, calories and macros and whatnot. So, yeah, you know, I, I would agree that like um, I do – more fat adjusting at first and then it's a lot of carb manipulating later on protein levels tend to stay somewhat similar um i like to keep them pretty high um through prep just for i've just seen good results muscle retention wise stuff like stuff like that um but with that said there is like a kind of a level or limit you can reach you know if someone's carbs are getting like low enough to the point where we're having to sacrifice their training performance um, you know, then I may cut away a little bit from the protein in that sense and at, at that point just to kind of keep the performance up, up in the gym and whatnot. No, that's exactly what I've been learning lately too. Um, and so that is a good point because I don't know what your ratios like what you use with protein. I like to stay around 
somewhere around that 1.5 grams per lean body mass. So not total body weight, but at least lean body mass, more of a higher protein. That's a low protein. And I've, from the past, what I've usually done actually, and so that's pretty high for other people that coach. Um, but it's just what's worked really well for me to keep the other macros kind of in the ranges that I want, you know what I'm saying? As well as, you know, the muscle retention, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't know how you do it, but that's how I kind of go about like protein. And obviously I say that's very, very, very important. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it's cool. So then I guess another good question I think people would be interested in is obviously you can do like a steady, steady approach from like cutting calories, cutting out carbs or fats or whatever, maybe get into like whatever your ranges you feel comfortable with fats, whether it's 30 grams I've seen. Some people go down to 20 grams. Some people stay at 50 grams. They don't go below that. Um, kind of depends on your preference on that and how you feel at those ranges or whatever. But after you're like starting to cut and cut and cut and then you're getting to like whatever you deem is, is a lower carbohydrate range, do you do any sort of carb cycling or calorie cycling or any sort of manipulation like that? Because I want people to also know that like, this prep is not going to be like linear in the sense of like your body is just going to be a straight line. Well, usually sometimes it is. My last diet prep was awesome, which is amazing for a coach, but yeah, most yeah. Times it's like, you know, it's usually like, you know, a, a wave or whatever hitting the highs. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, would you like, how would you know if, if, do you do any sort of cycling at all? Um, I guess this would be considered psych cycling in a way, but uh, usually I do one to two higher carb or refeed days a week. Um, for most people starting prep, I like to have one high carb day in there. Um, not only for like just the physical benefits of having, you know, just some higher carbs on one day to kind of like refill glycogen and all that, but just kind of like mentally, a lot of people, it can kind of help some people just knowing there's like a day like, all right, I can kind of enjoy myself a little bit more on this, on this day. And mentally that can make a difference. I feel like, um, as one gets leaner and deeper into prep, I typically may do multiple refeeds per week at that point, you know, if their body's like just really, really lean and I can tell they're depleted and stuff like that. And, you know, we're pretty ahead of the game as far as conditioning goes, you know, I definitely do some more frequent refeeds, refeeds there. Um, but yeah, besides one to two high carb days a week, that's usually what I would, the most I, I, I cycle. I don't typically do like, you know, a high carb day, low carb day, high carb day, low carb, you know, not, not anything extreme cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do anything extreme like that too. It's more of just, um, with me, honestly, it's kind of, I feel I've started to I'll incorporate more of that one day of high carb stuff for that reason. Like you're saying the mental state of anything. I know that Cliff preaches that. Um, but I've just done like standard stuff in the past and then maybe gotten down to carb cycling in the end where it's just a, a high low game of refeeds when necessary after you deplete so far down, you can push that plateau of whatever your metabolism, whatever your body's giving you and then like trying to replenish and give them energy again to sort of keep pushing down or what all that stuff. But yeah, I kind of, I guess for people listening, would you say that probably not really worry about like the refeed is much, it'll be a little more complicated for them, but like maybe if they're ahead of schedule, maybe bump up their carbs a little bit on like a, like a Saturday or whatever with their family or something like that to kind of give them that relief, um, get them full, filled back up and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's something you got to kind of play this, uh, situation by, um, 
generally speaking, you know, carpet cycling is probably not something you need to kind of worry or stretch yourself out about. You know, if someone's kind of having a hard time just like sticking with daily numbers as it is, they don't need to at least, you know, throwing all these complications in there as far as doing different numbers for different, different days. Um, but then on the other side, some people do kind of enjoy switching, switching things up, you know, so it kind of depends on your personality type a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does depend on this situation. You know, like you said, you kind of got to read things a bit. Um, someone could kind of, if someone like wasn't competing and just trying to like, you know, lose weight just for their own uh, benefit or goal or something, if certain situations may came, come up like one, one week, like they could kind of like use that as an unplanned for refeed, refeed day, just when life events kind of like, kind of like come in. You know, so not not necessarily plan refeed days, but just if something comes up on a on a, on a day, you know, it's fine. You know, it's like you're not really prepping for a, a show. You know, as long as you're still staying on track for the most. Understanding that they're not going to go backwards off that one high day, like they're going to gain all this fat and stuff like that. Right, probably, right. You know, probably healthy for your mindset that you went out and had a couple of drinks with your friends, or you know, went to your family dinner and spent time with loved ones and had yeah. exercise, yeah. and then your body needs to be in a deficit. But at the same time the long-term effects from it are probably going to be better off. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah. Kind of yeah. lost. I, I had something that I was going to say, totally lost my, lost my, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if we're, if we're on prep brain. Uh, you'd be surprised at how much Cliff was like talking and then you'll just totally forget about what he's talking about. <laughs> really? Yeah. Just completely blanks. Yeah. Definitely, definitely worse that you get deep, deep into prep, but, uh, but uh, so then I guess kind of like last thing I think it would be cool if you went over was um, cardio. So a lot of people will start off and a lot of people, I like your approach of like starting with as minimal cardio as possible unless maybe they're sedentary job and just to get them moving more. But I would say like, yeah, like, like get your calories up, start with as least amount of cardio as possible, obviously because that's going to be going up as prep goes on. And if you start at an hour, two hours a day on the very first day of prep, I mean, where are you going to go by the end of it? Like, screw that. So, <laughs> so I guess how would you approach maybe adding cardio, when to add cardio? How would you introduce it? Like how many days a week? Maybe like how you would add minutes or sessions or how would you do that? Um, let's see here. Um, generally, when I would first add cardio – it would be when we kind of reach a point to where, I mean, we can still keep dropping the calories further, but they're kind of getting low enough to a point to where that person would kind of prefer to do a little bit more cardio at the expense of kind of retaining more calories in their, in their diet and whatnot. Um, so when that happens, you know, I do start off things less intense, you know, we'll, we'll probably either do some low intensity steady state sessions or some moderate, and intensity steady state sessions could just be one times a week or one to two times a week, you know, maybe 10 to 15 minutes. Um, see if that kind of sparks any extra fat loss. Um, kind of go from, go from there. Generally I would add more low intensity, moderate intensity stuff earlier on. Maybe those last two, three months of prep, um, we may add a little hit, you know, high intensity intervals. Um, 
I do. I'm a big fan of HIT as far as for fat loss, the amount of, you know, calories it burns and the amount of time, but it is a little harder on the body as far as recovery purposes go. So for that reason, I don't like to add it from the get go, you know, doing multiple, multiple sessions of HIT, uh, multiple times a week, like, you know, 20 weeks out, that would probably just start wearing on your body a little, uh, a little bit, especially when our main goal of training would be to maximize our weightlifting performance not really trying to like you know we're trying to recover more for the weights not recover for hit essentially um so i do love hit but yeah i i I do like to kind of hold hold the hold off on it a little bit and only introduce it those final two three months or something Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah no i um i've done i've gone back and forth on this now so much but i will um there's like different variables that i kind of go into play but yeah one is a huge the recovery so if you're wanting to do hit and you recover well and yeah go ahead go for it because the other variable is is like people's schedule for one but also like um how much of a deficit they're needing to get into or maybe they're like um like you said maybe you don't want to drop in more calories so you want to try and push the x uh the calorie burn through cardio obviously you can get a little more calorie burn per less or the same calorie burn for less time or whatever you want to do there. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day it's like the recovery and I like to do hit, um, myself. Um, now I've been being told not to do it, but, um, I like to do it, gets it done. And I like to, I don't know, just the feeling of it just gives me more like instead of just sitting and walking there for an hour straight, I just had a hard, fucking hard time doing that shit um i've done a lot of like steady state stuff where that's where i've learned dude that's where i've like learned all of everything that i've ever done with like coaching and stuff honestly i mean school really didn't prepare me for that listening to podcasts and audiobooks and mentors and everything is what got me ready for that so i do think that it does have pros and cons if you if you're a learner like you like to listen to that stuff during cardio but majority it's just like time consuming um if that makes sense. No, yeah, I'll just say you're bringing up a great point that I that I forgot to mention. You know that that person's schedules definitely plays a big, big fact, big uh, fact factor in it. If they're working with a very tight schedule, you know they working a job, got kids, got a family, you know, and just don't have a lot of time. Then yeah, hit's probably going to be a way better option for them for time efficiency purposes. Um, but for some people that have more time in their schedule and just really hate hit, you know, then low intensity, moderate intensity could be better. Personally, I'm more like you. I like doing hit. I like getting in, working hard, and getting out. I hate having to stay there for a super long, super long time doing a boring steady, steady state cardio. Um, but working with a lot of clients over the years, I've seen it's kind of like split. You know, some people like hit. Some people like to do more steady, steady state stuff. Um, so yeah, I really feel it depends on your personality type um, and that plays a factor just with like motivation too. You know, if someone is like really amped for their hit sessions, they're going to get more out of it than someone who just absolutely hates it. They may not be pushing themselves as much as they need to, to get that full benefit from it. Um, so that, that is something to consider as well. I think. Cool. Yeah, man. Well, that was, that was a lot of good info of like pretty much laying out how to approach, especially if you're a first time competitor, but also maybe people who have competed they just really haven't learned all from all of their mistakes yet because um, they're still trying to like trial and error and obviously like that. But I think you brought up like great stuff. Obviously, like the length of prep of you needs to be longer than you probably think. You probably need more time than you think. 
need to get start the prep down at a lower body fat percentage than you probably think um, and be mindful of that and, and try and be competitive in that getting on stage farther out rather than just pushing the last eight weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like the, the, the manipulation with calories. Like it sounds like for me, we, you just don't do drastic changes, like drastic stuff to like go from 300 to 100 grams of carbs. Like that makes does dumb. But more of like building metabolism off season by like pushing your calories up and then starting far enough out and just making slight cuts at it, 100 calories here, 100 calories there, whatever, if needed, maybe more or less. Um, and so I think that gives people a good guideline of like, okay, I hit a plateau. Let's hit, let's try this. If I, if I keep losing weight, then I'll just do this the next time I hit a plateau. But some people I've seen like, you'll do 100 and then maybe they'll lose weight for like, a week some people like two weeks in a row they'll lose weight on that just that single hundred calorie hit i'm like holy shit good for you so then you don't have to change anything and then the next time you take a, a cut i've tried like 80 calories rather than 100 or then you can like try and try and keep the most amount of calories in as possible while still losing weight is what i'm saying but some people you have to like cut 100 calories and then like two days later they'll stall or like whatever so then but either they need like more consistent cuts or just a bigger cut in general to like try and prolong that that week of progress right yeah and that is one thing you learn with some of your clients definitely you know some people um they have a more adaptive metabolism so like they can adapt to a certain amount of calories quicker than some people which definitely has its pros and cons you know so for people like that you're probably better with smaller cuts just because they're gonna like lose some then adapt to it quick as opposed to like bigger cuts if they they adapt to like big bigger cuts quick then you kind of just start running out of room like quickly you know essentially yeah exactly 100 percent, 100 percent. and so you kind of just like gauge yourself of obviously how like how long until that next kind of plateau or whatever you start stalling out and see what kind of cut you made and if you adapt really fast you might have to adjust how you do that to make right. sure you give yourself enough run room right definitely definitely Cool. And then, yeah, like last thing you said with cardio, um, different methodologies, obviously, like either one's probably cool. Um, the hit, better with scheduling, maybe the steady state, maybe a little better with who even knows anymore with like muscle retention, all that kind of stuff. There's so much different research now. But yeah, there's definitely conflict, conflicting studies I've seen on cardio over the years that it kind of does come down to, you know, personal preference, really. There's no hard evidence that gives it like a hundred percent in one favor, I feel like, you know, so yeah. it's definitely more of a gray area when it comes yeah. to something yeah. like that. Yeah. hundred percent. So, but, but yeah, man, anyways, like I'll, uh, I'll wrap this up here. Cause I know we've been going for a while. You got stuff to get going to, but that was a lot of awesome content. I think for, especially first time competitors, um, I wish I had that knowledge when I first started competing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel you. You know, I, I I got some good info when I first started competing, but I also read some of the wrong info as well. I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's it's easy to do with so much info out there now, huh? Definitely, definitely. You know, there's more info than ever when it comes to fitness and nutrition, just with social 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 media. So under that same mindset, it is more important than ever as well to kind of do do your research, make sure what you're listening to, who, who you're listening to, you know, is not just like talking out of, out of, out of their ass and actually. Yeah, exactly. Has yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of people do. They get jacked yeah. and they say they know what they're doing, but they have no fucking clue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some people can just make any progresses if their genetics are that good, you know, but that doesn't mean that they're doing things the most optimal way, you know, especially mm-hmm. for other people. Mm-hmm. As well. Yeah, exactly. But all right, brother. Well, Hey, what I'm going to do 
is um, put your information in the description box, your IG, your email, all that kind of stuff. I'll put my information in there too, so if you have any questions for either one of us, please feel free to contact us. But other than that, brother, I do want to like tell you thank you one more time. I really do appreciate your time uh, coming on here and, and kind of leading us all the way through that. Yeah, man. I just want to say thanks a lot for, for the opportunity as well. You know, it's always great to kind of get on and talk with like, like-minded people about this, about this stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. We'll have to do it again sometime, huh? Definitely. Definitely, dude. Just let me know. All right. Sounds good. Other than that, peace, guys. All right. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for uh, listening, guys.